Father, as we come to open Your Word this morning, we ask that through Your Holy Spirit You would open our minds, open our hearts, that we might receive from You this morning what You have for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. We've been going through our statement of faith in the sense of the various subjects in there. We've talked about uh, Scripture. In fact, that's where we start in the statement of faith, and that's where we started in our sermons and messages on this. And the Scripture is the foundation. It's where we start in the sense of who we are, what we believe, and, and, and it explains to us who God is. We take the Scripture, and I'm not going to preach on it this morning again, other than just to say we take the Scripture as God-breathed Word. We don't uh, you know, it's one of those things where somebody says, well, this over here says this. Well, let me see what the Word says. That is our standard. You know, we, we, we go to the Word to get our understanding, and, and it creates a whole different way of looking at things than the rest of the world does. And so we begin with Scripture, God breathed, and then we talk about God now because, and somebody says, well, why wouldn't you start with God? Well, we start with the Scripture it's God-breathed, so we can tell you that you know the revelation of God is how we get to know Him and understand who He is. And last week, I, a, a Levi, an excellent message on the Trinity, <laughs> and uh, talking of the Father, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one, an amazing picture that is mind-boggling in one sense, and yet the Scripture makes it clear that this is who our God is, and so we, we talk about the idea of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all that He has done. This morning I would like to go to, uh, to the area of creation, Scripture, God breathed, God sovereign in charge of all things. He is the creator of all things. And that's where we will go to this morning in Genesis chapter 1. First, before we go there, I wanted to read from uh, Proverbs 9.10 because the question would come, if, if this is the Scripture of God, God-breathed Scripture and, and God has revealed Himself to us so that we can know who He is, that He is the sovereign God of all things, then it would become apparent that God wants us to know Him. And so I was thinking of a, of a Scripture, and it's one that you're all familiar with, I'm sure, but Proverbs 9.10 uh, reads, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight or understanding. In other words, from a Christian point of view, from a Christian worldview, where we start with the Bible and the, and the, the all-sovereign God and Creator of all things, we come from the point of view that knowledge starts with God. It doesn't start with what we can think of or imagine or create in our own thinking. It starts with God and what He says. And so, uh, we start, and I thought the logical place, in the beginning. Okay, and, and so what does the, the Word say? And I just want to go to uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, just the, the first couple of verses for right now. Uh, we look at uh, uh, here very clearly, in the beginning, God created the heavens, and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In the beginning, 
That means that's where time starts. Somebody you know, might ask, well, what, what was time like before that? I don't think you can explain it in terms that we will comprehend. Eternal. But here we have a very clear, in the beginning. God begins time as we understand it at this point. And it says, God created the heavens and the earth. Paul says that uh, this truth is obvious in nature. When you read in, in Romans uh, chapter 1, Paul writes, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For, this, for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. God creates the heavens and the earth. Creation is a major public issue in our culture. We have, pretty simply put, creation versus evolution, generally speaking, is where the, 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 the needle seems to swing and, and in various ways and places in between. And I'm going to tell you that I'm not here to enter into a debate this morning about uh, creation or creationism versus evolution. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and talk about uh, the, the science of, of dating rocks and, and, and uh, uh, carbon dating and all these other kinds of things. If you're really interested in that, there are some fantastic books available. And uh, I'm sure that there's several here that uh, could recommend some for you. Uh, I could give you a list as well. But I simply want to look at what the Scriptures say, what the God-breathed Scriptures say, and understand that how you feel or how you believe, I should really qualify it, how you believe about Scripture and who God is is going to be the foundation of how you view everything else. Basically, it's the foundation of our worldview. We all have a, 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 a view. I, I, you've heard me call it a belief window. Um, and I stole that from a guy by the name of Hiram Smith. Uh, but uh, the idea of a belief window is, is everything. You have certain needs that you need to have met in your life. We all have the same basic needs. And we have come to a conclusion as to how to meet those needs. And those principles are on our belief window. We don't even think about it. We just do them automatically. And so everywhere I go and everywhere I look, I look through my belief window, if you will. Not consciously even. It's just there. And I, I use the, one, the same one that Hiram Smith used, uh, you know, the idea of Doberman pinchers. I don't know about you, but I do not like Doberman pinchers. I, in fact, I have, I, you won't see me go up to a Doberman pincher and offer to pet it Bring a lab to me, a colleague, you know, but an Overman pincher, I will not. I got snapped at by one, and they were the guard dogs around the junkyard shop that my dad worked in, and I saw how vicious they could be, and I have nothing to do with them. So, 
you'll see by my behavior that there's something on my belief window about Doberman Pinschers. You're not, you're not, I, I won't tell you that unless I'm explaining it. But if you see a Doberman Pinscher or somebody coming up towards me in the room, I will probably take a step back or a step sideways, some kind of avoidance. And I don't have to think about it. It's automatic because it's on my belief window. Okay, this is what I'm trying to get is we all have a belief window, and the belief window is a reflection of our worldview, the foundations of those things. We, we should be at a point as Christians where we don't always have to think about what the Word of God says. Some of it should become automatic. Do you have to think about whether to kill somebody or not? Do you have to think about whether to steal or not? You see, there's certain aspects of the, of the Word of God that should be entrenched by, in, our, in our walk and in our life that are automatic with us. And even to the point where we realize through the Holy Spirit, you know, when we've sinned and they need to go ask somebody's forgiveness. They, you know, the world doesn't look at things like that. But because of what, who we are and the Word of God and what it says, we want to have that Christian worldview. And the Christian worldview starts with Genesis chapter 1. Biblical worldview, somebody will want to call it, but uh, I think it needs to be labeled as, as we are with the idea of the Christian worldview. So I'm not here to debate evolution. I'm not here to debate, uh, you know, uh, early creation. Uh, I'm, I'm just simply here to, to share with what the Word is saying to us this morning. In Genesis chapter 1, like I said, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so, and God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together He called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants, yielding seed and fruit and trees, bearing fruit which is, uh, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let the lights in the expanse of the, of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars and, God, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. 
And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the, of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over all, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image, in the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is in the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that He made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Some of you are probably thinking, is He going to read the whole account? The whole chapter? Yeah. And, and all I can say is that was nothing compared to what happened to when we were down at the, the men's conference where the, 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 the person speaking read the whole Psalm 119. And you know, at first you sat there and you were wondering, is he gonna, and then you got entrenched in it. And the idea was just, it, it became powerful all in and of itself. But there's a continuity that I don't want to miss. It's the reality of what God has done here. God has created. And... This is, is uh, you know, for me, well, I, I put it in perspective for you. I became a Christian in the, in, in the mid-70s. And at that point in time, creation was becoming an issue. More and more school districts, more and more school uh, uh, science courses and classes were refusing to deal with or talk about creation as a possibility and just ruling it out of the classroom. By the end of the 70s, it was pretty much cut and dry that creation was not being found, in fact, not even being talked about other than maybe a sentence or two, and even if that, in new textbooks. And so it became an issue. Why can't we talk? You know, we're not going to say that you can't talk about evolution. That's, we understand that's current science, and, and there's a whole thing that wants to teach that. But what about teaching at least side by side. And there have been, in, in the last 30 years, numerous attempts to get to the point where creation is at least taught side by side. In some places it's done, some places it's not. It seems to be always in contention. For me, when I first became a Christian, you have to understand, I came out of the... Um, I, well, I'd say I, I'm the, I was the product of Public education, in every sense of the word, from kindergarten through high school, through junior college, and through 
State College. All the way through, evolution was part of the picture. I was not raised in, in a home that professed uh, much about the Bible at all. Uh, it, was, it was reverenced in the sense of, of, of you, would, you could swear on it and that meant you were keeping your promise and, and, and certain things and aspects about it, but it wasn't ever shared in the home. It wasn't sitting out on the table. Uh, it, it wasn't something that we went to church every Sunday. Uh, we went to church on, on, on almost every Christmas Eve and most Easter's. And uh, it was you know, just something that was there, but it was never really talked about. When I moved in to live with my biological dad, he was, he was absolutely against the idea of, of organized church at all. And he was totally involved in, in what was called psycho-cybernetics, which was an offshoot of uh, Hubbard's stuff. And, uh, and so uh, he was into like the Passover plot. If any of you have ever read that book out of the, that time uh, that, that had all the different theories of why, you know, how Jesus you know, didn't really die on the cross, this type of thing, if, if, if there was that at all. You know, my dad just wouldn't have anything to do with it, and I just went along with that. It seemed to make sense to me to the degree that I didn't care one way or the other, basically. I kind of had that, that, I wasn't an, I could never have been called an atheist. I was an agnostic, I guess. Uh, I did believe that there must be a first cause, thanks to a biology teacher in high school. Uh, but other than, but I, I could never get the idea of a relationship with it. Uh, and, and that that first cause was even necessarily an, you know, God, but, but just something out there that was eternal in its nature somehow. I didn't worry about it. And I figured if there is a heaven, I'm as good as the next guy. Thinking that, that if there was a heaven, that would be sufficient. <laughs> Not realizing that being as good as the next guy is condemnation and, and, and not having a clue to that. So when I became a Christian, I'm sitting here. Uh, I, 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 I did not ever really read the Old Testament. I, I stayed within the framework of the New Testament, studying it, trying to figure it out. And when I finally accepted the Lord, uh, asked Him to be my Savior, I confessed Him, uh, was baptized, I was in a church, I was trying to grow and ask questions. Most of my teachings were coming through the New Testament initially. And understanding that I was a sinner. Got it. Need a Savior. Got it. Can't save myself. I'm in trouble. Need a Savior. Okay, got it. But never really wrestled much with the Old Testament, especially Genesis. And especially Genesis 1-11. through 11. And at that same time, in the 70s, a particular organization was gaining its, its root, you know, I guess, rooting and, and gaining its notoriety, which was the Institution for Creation Research, ICR. Um, Henry Morris, uh, Dwayne Gish, others, uh, scientists and groups that had gotten together to say, wait a minute, you can be a scientist, you can be intelligent, you can be educated and look at Genesis and believe it literally. And there became a whole institute to defend, if you will, the idea of creationism. Norris went all over the place, as well as Gish and others, 
speaking and even offering to do debates. Uh, and there was one done at the Cal Poly campus near where I lived. I got to hear. And I walked away saying, I finally got it. And I have to confess that I'm extremely simple-minded about this. I just simply read it, say what it says, and, 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 it, and I'm saying, it's, it's there. It's, it's just right there. And I know that there are other arguments, there are other uh, significant Christians that have some variables in there. I really, that's not my, my point. I really don't spend a lot of time debating it. I simply come to this and have come to a very simple uh, view, and I believe it is a, a, an accurate way to perceive what the Word of God says. I mentioned already, time has a beginning. In the beginning, the, you know, in the beginning, God created. So there's the beginning of time. God creates the heavens, space. He creates the earth, matter. So you have the essentials of, of, of what we know as, as uh, the elements of, of, of the universe. We have time, space, and matter. And this is something, again, that came through the ICR uh, uh, workshop that I got to go to. Uh, and it was, kind of, it was kind of cool because when you looked at it, uh, you, you look at it and it says, you know, beginning is time. And it's interesting, he made a point uh, even to point out, to, to say, and time even has three parts to it, past, present, and future. Uh, and, and that we have the heavens, the space. That has depth, the three dimensions, if you will, height, width, and 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 length or depth. You know this idea of, of three dimensions, and and that earth, that matter, uh, that you have solid, liquid, and gas in the area of matters, and, and everything that he went through. I'm not a, a scientist. I'm just saying that these were things that he was saying. All of this is necessary to have, to create and have life, and then this is the foundation block. And it says right there, God put the foundation blocks in place. And then he went from there. He calls it, uh, I I think it was Dr. Gish that called it the triune universe. In other words, the the idea of looking at it in in the perspective of of the three aspects of of time, space, and matter. And uh, at that point, the other thing that was emphasized was exactly what it says here that I read. God spoke it. He spoke it. From nothing to something. Is that, I know that's mind-boggling. And I don't get into trying to use the Latin words and all that stuff. I just say it simply. Nothing to something. God spoke it into existence. Somebody will say, well, that's not very scientific. You can't prove that. Well, it's kind of like uh, uh, Ken Ham says sometimes. Nobody was there. <laughs> uh, you know, we're all going to look at the, uh, at the facts, the same, the same exact facts, including dinosaur bones and, and rocks and rivers and, and, and erosion and all these things. We're all going to look at all the same facts, but we're going to come at it. We can't help ourselves. We're going to come at it with a worldview that shapes how we're going to understand it. And I learned from, from Henry Morris and Dwayne Gish and others that my worldview was going to be grounded in a literal genesis. Not only even a literal genesis, but a literal six-day creation. And it's interesting that you can even catch a glimpse of the Trinity in creation. Now, I'm cautious with this 
because uh, you have to have more Scripture uh, unfold in the future to, to fully understand what, what comes in the beginning here. But, but just take a look with it and, and, and humor me. Uh, in the beginning, God. Now, the word for God here is Elohim. It's a plural word used with a singular verb to create. It means, you know, God, plural, He created. Singular. Interesting combination. Normally our verbs in our, in, uh, the tense of our verbs or the, the verb numbers in our, in, our, in our subject, you know, they're supposed to match in number, but this is offset. However, that is a possibility in some instances uh, and, and, and dealing with the, the awesomeness of who God is. There's a whole explanation of that. So standing alone, that isn't enough to say, oh, there's the Trinity. If anything, you could say it doesn't have a number to it. How many gods? Okay? So that's why, like I said, you have to go in, up into the further into Scripture to, to, to narrow this down. But there is something else that happens in Genesis chapter 1, and it starts in verse 26 where it says, let us make man in our image. That's also plural. That's not normal. <laughs> okay? And so if you take Elohim, which is a plural with a he created uh, verb that's a singular, and then you drop down to us down here, there's something going on. I think that's sufficient to say, to open your mind to the thought that there's something going on it's from the very beginning that God was active in the, in the context. And then on verse 2 it says, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. You know, uh, you know So you have a picture of, of, of something in the sense of the fullness of God that is bigger than just the, 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 the idea of a God. It's God the Trinity that we ultimately see. And we, we look at it, we look at other uh, words, other, other chapters, verses, and we see this. In John chapter 1, you're familiar about it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it says that all things were created through Him. There isn't anything that exists that wasn't created through Him. And then it tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us in verse 14. Who is the Word that it's being spoken of? Jesus. Wait a minute. It says Jesus created all these things. Jesus did this. Jesus put it in, you know, created. Okay, so God created God the Father, God Jesus. Which one created? Yes, they did. And Colossians 1, 16 and 17. In fact, look at, at Colossians. I, I think, Levi, did you use that verse last week? I can't remember. seems to me I, I had written it down. But uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Uh, well, go to 15. Uh, referring to Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him... All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him, and it is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, and He is the head of the body, the church, referring to Christ. Again, Christ is an intimate, intricate part of the picture of creation that's going on. The Holy Spirit was there, as I said, as well. And Hebrews chapter, just, just throw in one more, Hebrews chapter 1, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. 
But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. And after purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Very clearly getting that picture. God the Father, God the Son, and, we, we, and, and be, uh, Levi talked it, uh, so well last week in the reference to the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. If you want to hear how to put that together, you need to, to go online and go to the, the little uh, thing at the, the, the bottom of the, of the first page of uh, the, the website of uh, Redwood Christian Fellowship and click on it and it'll put you into the podcast and you can listen to that sermon. It's, it's an excellent sermon on the Trinity. So I'm not going to go all into that other than to say I believe that this shows us that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there at creation together creating. And that it is, it, it's, it, it's an amazing thing. And I, and I was looking at the structure of this sentence. I'm not, I'm not an English major type guy. I'm not a great you know, grammarian uh, I, I, I don't always remember to put commas where they are. I end sentences with prepositions. I, I do things, you know, and, and there's, there's, there's a couple of people here I know catch them, but don't say anything. But I, I still, you know, I, I have to say that, that uh, uh, I miss some of the people that, that used to call me on it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things that just we, we use, you know, where are you going to? Yeah, yeah, oops, no. Okay, to where are you going? Uh, but, you know, anyway. Uh, so I, I'm not really great at this, but this sentence is an amazing sentence when you look at the, of this very first sentence. Have you ever done a writing where, where, where you know, you're in a course or in an English class and, and you're supposed to get the, that, that sentence that grabs you to start your, your essay with or, or whatever it is that your assignment is? And uh, I remember working on my, my thesis statement. At my, it was 101 pages when it was finished typed. And uh, it was probably, I wouldn't want to read it again. <laughs> uh, I know somebody had to read it because I got a, I, I got a copy of it back. <laughs> with all the corrections, <laughs> less infinity phrase. You know, I'll, you know, you know, you use that more than you need to. And uh, but you're supposed to come up with a, you know something that that just really gets a hold of you. And uh, this first sentence is an amazing sentence when you think about it. I mean, it's ten words long in the English. I, and, I, and I was told, and I, and I, and I don't know how to, to go from, from right to left in, in Hebrew, even though I think that way. Um, and, and, and so, but I'm told it's got seven words in the Hebrew. Okay? There's nothing complicated about this sentence. I, I do know this much. I know how to diagram that sentence. Because uh, I had to do that over and over and over again. My English teacher, rather than sending me detention, would give me detention in her uh, room at lunchtime and after school, and all I had to do, all she would let me do, was diagram sentence after sentence after sentence on the board. So you got the idea of, of subjects, verbs, 
direct objects, indirect objects, uh, uh, prepositional phrases, all those kinds of things. That part I can do. I can't put a comma in the right place, but I can do that. And I did that with this sentence just to, 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 for myself to say, yes, it's just as plain and simple as it can be. God created. Subject and verb. A plural subject with a singular verb. God, He created. God, they implied He created. And what did He create? The building blocks. It starts with beginning, so we bring time, heavens and earth. The earth was out form and void. The darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Simple, powerful grabber, if you will. And everything flows from here. And in my view of theology, the way I see things, everything flows from here. It's the base answer, if you will, to the foundational question, where did I come from? Why am I here? It explains it in here. The process, again, God speaks. Seven times in just the first chapter, God speaks. Creation happens. We have a supernatural God and we have a supernatural beginning. Meaning it doesn't coincide with the laws of physics. Laws of physics, as we look at it back, is trying to understand how it all stays together, quite interestingly. And even the Scripture tells us that in Hebrews. What did it say? It's done because God keeps it together. I don't care how you, you label it, and I know there's been a lot of, of talk about it. I think the term uh, that... that uh, uh, John Christensen gave us with, with uh, gluons when he, that he learned down in Southern California uh, in advanced studies in biochemistry. Gluons hold things together. We haven't seen one. We don't know what they look like. But now there is some people who say there's something about a cross-looking type of thing. And I'm not enough of that that I'm going to repeat that and say that that's definite. All I know is that they keep looking for what's holding it together because it should be coming apart according to everything we can see and understand. And beyond me to look at this piece of wood, I work with wood, I love to work with wood, and I cut wood, and I can tell you there's some very, very dense, hard woods. Even with a brand new saw blade, you cut that Oregon ironwood, and it smokes. And yet, scientists tell me it's got little electrons going, moving in it. That's beyond me. God spoke it into existence. He holds it together. It's a supernatural beginning and it's a supernatural reality that we live in. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made and by the breath of His mouth all their hosts. Psalm 148 says, He commanded and they were created. And... uh, uh, In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Just over and over and over again, the Bible says, creation is a supernatural event that does not match anything you'll ever understand in reference to science other than one thing you will. If there is a science fact, it will point to God. I'm confident of that. 
God is the theme of Genesis chapter 1 in the sense of His purpose and what He's doing. 35 times in 31 verses, God is named. Uh, he creates man. He wants to share the love of the Godhead that he has. You know, the Godhead is sufficient. I, I, this is one. This another one that's hard for me to always get a hold of. The Godhead is sufficient in and of itself, meaning that it doesn't have to have anything to 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 make itself happy, if you will. You know what I mean? It, it, it's sufficient. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are are, are, are sufficient. What it is is that God created a, a universe in order to create man, in order to have a relationship and draw him into this relationship. And even though we blew it, before he ever spoke it into existence, he had a plan to deliver us. It's all so amazing when you start to put it together. And it starts to make sense. The God who spoke it into existence says, I love man so much, I'm going to create him in such a way, and yet, even though he blows it, I'm going to intervene and fix it. And I'm going to do it in a way that will, only, that will work. My justice will, my, and, and my purity, my holiness, all of it will be satisfied with this process. And everybody that will believe in it will be saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. All, all of that comes back to, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. Spoke it into existence. And He built the universe. How many of you are familiar with a folk singer and and rocker from the 60s, Barry McGuire. Anybody remember Barry McGuire? All seven of us, huh? And uh, the uh, Barry McGuire became a Christian. And his music took a radical change. He rewrote some of his views. Uh, Age of Destruction, uh, you know, uh, is, he rewrote with, with, with a Christian emphasis. But... Uh, you know, he, 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 started, he says, I'm, in fact, one of his songs, I'm not going to sing about anything but Jesus. He just, he radically changed. Everything changed for him. He didn't go to the, you know, didn't, wasn't one of those Christian, you know, rockers that became a Christian and still a big star on the stage. He kind of just kind of got lost in things. Uh, bullfrogs and butterflies, we've both been born again. He and, and Dottie Rambo wrote that together in that whole little kid's play. Um, but anyway, he, and he became like a kid. And he, I remember he was talking because he had just been to an ICR Institute training. <laughs> and he's sitting on the Greyhound bus, right, reading the Bible. And, he's, and he says, I get it. <laughs> he says, the seasons and all of this stuff is for man to understand things about time and weather and planning. He says, God created the whole universe for us. Isn't that an amazing thought? People are always wondering if there's life on some other planet. Did that life seed the earth? Uh, there's all sorts of stuff. You can watch the, 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 the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, and all these things and find out all about these things, about outer space and how they came here and seeded the earth and built pyramids and all sorts of things. Or you can look to the Bible and say, in the beginning, God. And he created an intelligent man, not somebody that had to learn how to make things from, from you know Stone Age concepts and live in caves and from the very beginning. In fact, if anything, 
Man's probably less in many ways than he was then. And I always come back to this one. There are huge stones in these old temples and some old city walls that we can't move with the equipment we have today. And they moved them for miles and miles from the quarries where they were cut. Nobody knows how. So the aliens did it. That's the word. No. Man had the ability. Whatever it was. I, for one, think it has something to do with sound, but other people have other ideas. You see what I'm trying to get at is it, it, when you start to rest in God, in the beginning, God, and put everything else on top of that as, a, as, as, a, as the foundation and build on that, you're always going to come back to somewhere, somehow, it's going to tie together. God you know, put it together, and he did it, ultimately, to bless us. He loves us so much. There's such an abundance of love within the framework of the, of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that it flows out to us and He draws us into it. He wants us to be a part of all of it. Look at what He promises for eternity. He wants us to be a part of all of it. And He's accomplished a way for that to happen through the cross. Every time we share in communion, we come to that. The reality that in the beginning, the guy that created in the beginning is the guy that saves us. He's the, he's the creator and the author of our salvation. If it weren't for him, there'd be no hope. Salvation comes through Christ and Christ alone. No other name under heaven. Because only Jesus did what was necessary and said on the cross, it is finished. Ask the ushers to come Pass the communion out until we've all been served. Hold it and, and we'll, we'll share it together.
to the cross for us, paid the price of our sins, and then says, if you will put your faith in me, my perfect holiness will cover you perfectly, completely. And that's what we have in the bread of Christ, in the cup of Christ, the blood of Christ when we share communion. God came in the flesh to reveal the Father, to teach us of who the Father is, and then to understand that we need His salvation. And He said as often as we would share this bread together, at that supper He shared with His, with his disciples, He says as often as you share this together, instituting what we now call communion, to be shared as often as we gather together, that we would do this in remembrance of Him. Philippians tells us that He came in the flesh, He emptied Himself, became a man, came in the flesh with one primary purpose, to serve us, even to the point of death on the cross, that we might have life. And he asks us as often as we would drink this cup that represents his blood poured out to purchase that covenant of grace, that we would do so in remembrance of him. Father, once again we come with thanksgiving in our heart that the creator of the universe is our Savior. We rest with confidence in that. 
We rest with, with that confidence through your Holy Spirit in us that we, we know that we have that personal relationship with you. I pray this morning, Lord, that if anyone does not have that relationship, that they don't know you as their Savior, or they don't have that confidence, that they wouldn't leave today without discussing that with someone maybe who they, they know here or one of the elders, myself, uh, Levi, uh, BJ, Alan, others that would know. And uh, we just ask, Lord, that You would uh, uh, go with us. Cause us to be people that have that foundation. The supernatural God supernaturally created and then supernaturally saved us. And that, that and with those foundation blocks, You would build our faith and our strength to be a testimony to those around us. In Jesus' name.